Welcome back to the podcast. And as always, we've got another great episode for you. Friends, we are not holding back this summer. We've had some fun talking about experiences this summer. This particular episode of the podcast is heavy and it follows part one where Jonathan Wiggins, pastor and co-lead of Pastors Collective, talks about his own story, his complex story that even involved abuse, where the church was both complicit and neutral and an advocate in his own story. Go back and listen to the last episode if you didn't catch that. We also talked to Brooke Hempel about some things we need to pay attention to um, that Barna Group is studying right now, so don't miss that episode. But this episode, I pick up where we left off with Jonathan Wiggins, and he talks a lot about friendship. We talk about isolation. We talk about the areas of darkness we can easily head into if we don't have people in our corner who know us, who know our story, who care for us. And friends, please know this, that in this season, if you are leading and you are isolated, that is a liability. We are leading recklessly if we do not have people we can share the good and the hard with. Friends, community is about celebrating with people and also being able to grieve with people. This may be a reality check for you. If you do not have people you can celebrate with and grieve with, then you cannot go the long haul in ministry. You cannot go the long haul leading in any particular way of influence, of weight, of gusto. So please, friends, take this time to reevaluate your relationships, to build new ones this summer, to spend time reinvesting in your heart and soul and relationship. Pastors need friends. This episode specifically is talking about full-time ministry and so is directed largely at pastors. So if there's a pastor that you know, please share this episode with them. And welcome back to the podcast, my new friend, Jonathan Wiggins. Man, it's so good. Uh, you mentioned that magic word we talk about a lot here, isolation. And um, talk a little bit more about that. If a leader's listening to this, maybe a pastor wondering, am I isolated? What would be a few signs of that? Uh, I would say, I would ask a question like, do you have a friend who knows everything about you? Um, do you even think you need a friend who knows everything about you? Mm. Um, if you're in crisis, uh, do you get alone to yourself? And sometimes that's healthy. Solitude is good. But is that your go-to move and you don't really go to a trusted friend? Or when you're in crisis, do you have a friend you can go to and be completely honest with them? Um, yeah, I would say, I would say, you know, Jesus said, I no longer call you my servants because masters don't tell their servants everything. But I call you my friends because I'll tell you everything the Father has made known to me. I think a friend just knows more <laughs> than, yeah. th than anybody else. And so is, is there a person that you do life with? Um, you know, some, some maybe that you work with, but maybe, maybe more importantly, who you don't work with. Uh, you can just do life with and be connected to. A lot of times I'll ask somebody, do you have a best friend? I'll ask them that in the hiring process. I'll ask them that if they're wanting support from my church or they're wanting to form a relationship where they need some investment from me. It's like, I don't really want to be their probation and parole officer, Alan, but I yeah. do want them to have 
connections because the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship or relationship one with another. And so I associate isolation with, um, with darkness. And, and so whenever we have people who really know us uh, around, around here, my team, we say it this way, light is people. Mm. If people know you, light is shining. That's good. We talk about the difference between loneliness and isolation. And yeah, ironically, we're actually trying to normalize loneliness, that that's part of the human experience and that Jesus must have felt a depth of loneliness of other people not carrying the mission. You know, who are these knuckleheads? They still don't get it. Um, they're close to me in proximity and yet um, don't seem to be any closer to the mission than they were before. Um, and just that that's, that's part of the gig. That's part of the deal. And yet isolation is a choice. Loneliness is, is this feeling common to man. And yet isolation is a choice that we make. And yeah. if you're listening to this right now and to say, we want you to know that you are not a freak if you feel lonely in a decision, a hard decision, an integrity decision. And yet on the other side of it, we cannot normalize isolation. I mean, it is darkness like you talk about to, oh, I've got this alone. Nobody else will understand. Here's my choice is to pull away from people. That is a dangerous decision and, and it's a huge distinction. And so I think Satan wants to flip that to say you're a freak because you're lonely. The only opportunity you have is to go off on your own. Um, probably a whole nother podcast for another day. I had an idea, Jonathan, as you're talking and that feels to me like book number two for you is half the battle is <laughs> talking about, man, if, if we could just live with integrity, that's half the battle. And yet a lot of times, you know, coaching, training, many of our books are not focused on the character side or not focused on the integrity side, the trust side. Um, David Brooks, New York Times columnist, says that we're in a crisis of trust right now. There's a massive trust gap in our culture, which has led to the, the widening gap. So I just want to encourage you that not only are you onto something, but that right there is what we need is people who create safety and create trust in, in these spaces where we could take advantage of people's trust. And unfortunately, we hear those stories all the time. Um, so just a thought there, man, that is significant what you said. And listeners, that is significant what Jonathan's talking about, at least half the battle. Um, yeah. I hey, that- Alan, I was just thinking about the the Hippocratic Oath in Medicine, which I know the, the meaning of it is yeah, not the same thing yeah. as quoting from it, but it's like, first, do no harm. Mm, and it's wow. like, <laughs> doctors, they know they can't heal everybody. But the idea of medicine, the basic uh, kind of underlying value is at least don't make them worse. Mm, wow. And I think in ministry, if we, could, if we could let the Holy Spirit do the work of making people better, but at least let's not make people worse. I think that's probably a good value. Oh, that's that's so good. That's so good. At least don't make people <laughs> worse. I I love it. Hey, maybe that's the book right there. Maybe that's there it, it is. Right? The, the Hippocratic <laughs> Oath of Ministry. But for real, I mean, there's um, people who have said, especially from the counseling space, that they are under accountability. Groups of people, they'll get together with different counselors and they'll share their best practices, they'll share, you know, hard situations and opportunities, and they have very strict guidelines to move by. Well, many times as, um, you know, ministers of the gospel, nonprofit leaders, even me as a coach, there's very few national standards that we need to abide by. And so we need to put ourselves underneath that authority. I was just thinking about that 
that if that's not there, we sort of need to have our own Hippocratic oaths, our own boundaries, our own things that we've set up with our own elders, teams, executive pastors, churches, networks, you name it. Um, man, so much that we could dig into here, Jonathan, but listeners don't miss that piece. What are the boundaries you're self-imposing um, on, on yourself? I don't know how you're different, but I know that you're different after COVID season. We can't go through that and lead through that, Jonathan, and not be different. So I'm just going to assume that you are a completely different leader in several areas of your life. How are you different after this COVID season than you were before? Yeah, I, that's a that's a question I have not been asked until this moment. And uh, so I, I think a couple of things. I think I'm uh, less uh, I'm less strident when it comes to social media interactions, mm-hmm. I, I'm a little kinder. And actually, honestly, I'm a little less present on social media than I used to be. Uh, I realized how many people could get hurt just simply off of a misunderstanding. And then it seemed irretrievable. Mm, yeah. So I think that that's one. I think uh, also just being uh, the kind of person that when people come back to just understand that, as painful as this last year has been, I'm not the only one who experienced the pain. And I think it'd be interesting to, to know how many people are dealing with symptoms of PTSD, not just in ministry, but just in our world. Yeah, absolutely. And so to give people a place to heal, um, I am uh, way more prone to take the time I need off uh, so that I can rest, so that I can get away from the pressure. Um, and I'm, I'm way more... Um, in tune with, honestly, with the needs of my wife in this season. Uh, She and I have really worked uh, really hard for the ministry. We've sacrificed a lot. I think right now I'm I'm turning a little bit more of attention and focus to her emotional state, her needs. And instead of kind of calling on my family to just buck up and, and keep moving forward for another year or another week or another six months, I think I'm saying, hey, what do we need? Let's go get it. Let's take time away. And I'm really just trying to make sure that my immediate relationships are nourished. And then the last thing I would say is my friendships uh, within my staff and also outside of my staff. Um, They're more vulnerable. They're more life-giving. I can tell you one thing, Alan, you will never hear of some shocking revelation that the people in my life don't already know about me. Um, you know, mm, yeah. because it's like they, there's nothing to, to be learned about me that my closest friends don't already know. And uh, they pray with me and they, they encourage me. So those are some of the things that, that have been contributions to my life over this last period. The stats and certainly the, the conversations tell me that a lot of pastors and kingdom leaders are considering quitting, maybe quitting on their integrity, quitting on their role, walking away from it, exhausted, hands up, I'm done. Give a few encouragements to that leader listening that's saying, that's me. I'm I'm on the edge of throwing my hands up and being done. But the risk of sounding a little bit religious, um, I think of Joseph's story, how Joseph was uh, betrayed by his own family. Joseph was falsely accused. I think a lot of pastors, I've heard lots of stories of pastors being falsely accused uh, of things. <clears throat> um, he, he, you know, obviously Joseph goes to prison. He unpacks the dreams of a couple people there and, and it benefited a person and said, Hey, just remember me. He was forgotten. And much after the fact he was needed 
So then he was called to the palace. I want you to think about that, Alan. He he never got he never was promoted because of his own discontent. And there was plenty of pain to go around. He just kept responding well to the betrayals, the lies. And then he started responding and stewarding well the dreams of people around him. And his life just kept moving in an upward trajectory. So I do think the reality is there's a lot of pain in this season. The reality is there are a lot of leaders who desperately need a vacation. They need a raise. They, they need time. They need counseling. Maybe some intensive different types of therapy or uh, you know whatever they need, they need. But then there's the other side. If we can just stand, if we can just stay faithful, get what we need, attend to the things in our lives that can keep us healthy and sustainable, but then stand. I think we'll see some incredible things in the church and in our own churches and our families and our lives, I think in, in the near future. I certainly believe that for myself and I'm already starting to see it. Thanks for that. I sense a lot of listeners needed this, needed this conversation. Um, Jonathan, thank you. Thanks for your authenticity. Thanks for going at least half the battle um, to have the kind of integrity that we de- that we see in you. We are, I believe, craving as a culture, not just as congregants, but as a culture for trust, for safety in this next season. And I pray that Rez and your ministry is a place of healing for many. And um, folks who are listening would encourage you uh, to pick up Jonathan's book, Walking with Lions. You can find it on Amazon. I'm excited to dive into that. And again, with the Pastors Collective, you and Pastor Greg, thank you for those who you minister to, shepherding the shepherds all over the country. So grateful for you and for your ministry. Thanks for this conversation, Jonathan. It's an honor to be here with you, Alan, and thanks for what you do. I can't think of a more uh, important moment to do what you're doing right now. So thank you for that. Shine, shine, we focus so long.